The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. At that time, the Lord appointed 72 others whom he sent ahead of him in pairs to every town and place he intended to visit. He said to them, the harvest is abundant, but the laborers are few. So ask the master of the harvest to send out laborers for his harvest. Go on your way. Behold, I am sending you like lambs among wolves. Carry no money bag, no sack, no sandals, and greet no one along the way. And to whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this household. If a peaceful person lives there, your peace will rest on him. But if not, it will return to you. Stay in the same house and eat and drink what is offered to you, for the laborer deserves his payment. Do not move about from one house to another. Whatever town you enter and they welcome you, eat what is set before you, cure the sick in it, and say to them, The kingdom of God is at hand for you. Whatever town you enter and they do not receive you, go out into the streets and say, The dust of your town that clings to our feet, even that we shake off against you. Yet know this, the kingdom of God is at hand. I tell you, it will be more tolerable for Sodom on that day than for that town. Seventy-two returned rejoicing and said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us because of your name. Jesus said, I have observed Satan fall like lightning from the sky. Behold, I have given you the power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and upon the full force of the enemy and nothing will harm you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice because the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice because your names are written in heaven. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. might have heard this one before, but I'll do it anyway. Jesus, Peter, and two apostles were playing a round of golf. Got to a a par three with with a 190-yard carry over water. And Jesus pulls out his eight iron. Peter says, Rabbi, you think that's enough club? Jesus retorted, I saw Tiger do this the other day. 190 yards, eight iron. Give me the ball. If he can do it, I can. So he teed it up, took a whack, flew through the air and right into the water. Peter looked at the others, eyebrows raised and said, I tell you, I told you so, but you can read my mind. Another ball, Jesus says. Okay, but I think you should take your seven iron. Get behind me, Satan, he says to Peter. And he took another whack, it flew, landed in the same place, and he immediately walked out on the water, grabbed the two balls, and tossed them on the green, and some caddies were walking by, marveled at the sight, and asked Peter, who does that guy think he is, Jesus? Peter says, no, that's the Christ. It is the Christ, the Son of God. He just thinks he's Tiger Woods. (laughs) Jesus... Ask the apostles at some point, who do people say that I am? And Peter is the one who said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Peter knew through the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so we know through the apostles who Jesus is. We're on our second week 
of our homily series for the summer, the Apostles' Creed. Last week we went through, I believe in God, the Father, Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. This week, as you see on your handout, we have, and in Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son, our Lord. This is our CCD recap, our PSR. We all need a little refresher. We're going through the creed. First, God has revealed himself as a trinity of persons. One God, one substance, but three persons. It's confusing. I was talking to someone last night and they said, why? That's so confusing. And I said, you know what? If I was making up a religion, I wouldn't do that. Which proves that it's not made up. Right? Like if I'm, if I'm going to make up a religion, I wouldn't choose something so drastically confusing. One God, three persons. But God has revealed himself that way. The best theological reason we can come up with is that God is love. I hear that in St. John's letter. Deus caritas est. God is love. And love necessitates a gift of self to another. In order for love to exist, we have to have another to love. And if God is perfect in and of himself, then he must exist in a multitude of persons for that gift of self to the other. St. Augustine says the Trinity can be summed up as love between the Father and the Son, and the Son loves the Father back, and the love between them spirates a whole other person, is, a, is, is the Holy Spirit. The love between the Father and the Son is the Holy Spirit. We see that lived out in ourselves, in our families, between man and woman. Right? Husband and wife and child are an icon of the Trinity. Jesus is the second person of that Trinity, The son of the father, as we hear in the creed, before the incarnation, before Christmas, if you will, uh, St. John referred to the son as the logos. If you read uh, John's gospel in Greek, it says logos. In the beginning was the logos, the word, or it could be translated as reason. In the beginning was the reason or the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. So the second person of the Trinity is not the highest creature that God created, as Arius, the heretic, would say. No, he is God. Jesus is divine. How do we know that? Well, Scripture says it, but Jesus himself in Scripture said it. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, he doesn't say before Abraham was, I was. (laughs) He says, before Abraham was, I am. Remember that part of scripture? It's John chapter 8. Before Abraham was, I am. It's kind of like a poetic thing, but he's referencing the ego and me, which is the I am who am. Last week we talked about God's name, Yahweh. I am who am, being itself. And Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am. I am Yahweh. So Jesus claims it, and that's why they killed him. They didn't kill him because he was nice. They didn't kill him because he healed people. They killed him because in healing people, he was claiming to be God. He said he was divine. Further, why was the second person of the Trinity incarnated? So you have Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Why did he have to take on flesh? Why did Christmas have to happen? I want to answer because we couldn't save ourselves. 
You know, Jesus's name gives us insight into this reality. The angel Gabriel gives Jesus his name when he announces to Mary that his name will be Jesus. Jesus is an Anglicization of the Hebrew name for Jesus, which is Joshua. Do we have any Joshua's in here? Raise your hand if your name is Joshua. Oh, darn. Okay. I got I to gotta stick a plant in my other, my other uh, masses. Like, okay, no one's Joshua. You're going to be Joshua. Raise your hand. Look, if your name is Joshua, you actually share a name with Jesus. Jesus' name was Joshua or Yeshua in Aramaic. If you look at the passion of the Christ, you'll hear Mary say, Yeshua, Yeshua. The name actually means God saves. God saves, Yeshua. We hear in Paul's letter to the Philippians, Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God something to be grasped. Like, you can't understand that. But he emptied himself. This is the incarnation. Taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. At the name of Jesus. Why does they say at the name of Jesus? Because when we say the name of Jesus, we're saying all of the Bible. The entire scripture, the Old Testament, the New Testament, everything. Boom! God saves. Jesus. Yeshua. And it says at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Well, that would be kind of hard, right? If every time we said Jesus, we all had to genuflect, that would be hard. But you know what the church actually asks us to do? A little catechesis to bow our head at the name of Jesus. I don't know if you've noticed this. You, got, you should pay attention and th- see things that I do or that people do around you. And during the creed, during the Eucharistic prayer, anytime in the scriptures, if I say the name Jesus... Our head bows. How cool would it be if someone, and they actually prescribe this for you, the missile prescribes that the faithful, just like we hit our chest at the mea culpa, mea culpa, mea maxima culpa, just so I would bow our heads at the incarnation and the creed. So every time the name of Jesus is said, we should bow our head. That's a practice we need to reclaim. And then finally, that last part, when I was little, I thought I knew Mary's last name. You know Mary's last name? I thought I knew Mary's last name. I thought it was Mary Christ. I, I just I, Joseph Christ, Mary Christ, and Jesus Christ. I thought Christ was Mary's last name. Joseph, like, no, Christ is not Jesus's last name. Christ is his mission. Christos in Greek, in Hebrew, Meshiach. What is it in English? Messiah. Messiah means the anointed one. The one who is coming to save us. And so when uh, Peter says you are the Christ, the son of the living God, he is saying you are the Messiah. You are the one. You're the one who's coming to save us. So God saves. He is saving us. That's Jesus's name. And why? Another answer why he had to be incarnated. St. Anselm answers this and. His, his work, Cur Deus Homo, means why God became man. People have been asking these questions forever. Why did God have to become man? He says, because we can't save ourselves. We are finite creatures, and God is an infinite God, right? 
When a creature sins against God, that sin is an infinite offense. offense, Right. When a finite creature sins against God, it's an infinite offense. Humanity must make restitution for an infinite offense. But only God, who is infinite, can actually make up for an infinite offense. But because it was humanity that sinned, it had to be a human to make up for an infinite offense. So what do we do? We can't do it. So God, who is infinite, becomes man and he takes our place. When we deserved destruction, when we deserve damnation, what does God do? He says, I love you too much. I'm going behind enemy lines. I'm coming to get you. You can't run away from me. Remember what we did when we sinned in the garden? What did Adam and Eve do? They they hid. God didn't say, oh, y'all are so gross. I'm turning my face away from... No, they hid. They ran away. They put the loincloths on. They put the fig fig leaves on. They tried to hide. And God was going through the garden saying, where are you? I'm coming to get you. That is the incarnation. No matter how far we think we can run, like Jonah, like so many people throughout history, you can't run. He's tracking you down. He's coming to get you because he loves you. Jesus Christ, God saves you.